Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Uh, so what's going on? Anything fun and exciting going on? Well, quite a bit fun and exciting is going on, obviously. I mean, not in our lives, but probably in the world, if you think about Maybe. it. I'm, I'm excited that I've got wrestling I can watch now that I don't hate. That's pretty good. <laughs> It's right. exciting. You talk about NWA? In NWA and I started watching MLW too. It's all right. Yeah. I don't get I don't get as hot and heavy on the lucha as some people. Mhm. Cuz my my problem is those matches are so unbelievable, you know what I mean? Like they don't. It's more like a circus performance than a wrestling match half the time. Yeah, they're not all lucha stuff though. Right. It's weird. They just brought over a lot of the storylines and some of the people and made them like their own subsection of that company. It was very strange, but I'll take but, it compared but to it, nothing. In, in WA, I really like. Yeah, there's some, there's something about their psychotically low budget thing that they do that I just fucking I dig it. You watched any Doug? No. They don't even have intro music. Really? Yeah, that's, how, that's, that's how retro it is. Yeah, no, no intro music. And they, uh, I don't, I can't even describe to you how old school it feels like. Yeah. It's like the old WCW Saturday night. Where they're just like in this tiny little studio. Yeah. In front of a small crowd. And that makes yeah. it a lot of fun for some reason. I don't understand why, but. The whole retro feel of it is just like, oh, yeah, this is a lot of fun. I like it. Well, and the fact they use these retro graphics and I'm I'm sure since Billy Corgan owns it, he's the one who wrote all the. The commercial break music and stuff, but it's kind of got that. 1980s, like, but <laughs> kind of music, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's good. The theme song for the show used to be uh into the fire by docking but is that right yeah they changed it between seasons i'm sure covid had a lot to do with it i'm sure they were trying to cut as much as they possibly could out of that show i'm enjoying it and i like i like the fact that it's all these so it's half wrestlers that you've never fucking heard of before and half B tier wrestlers who used to be approaching a tier wrestling and then got cut by the big programs that are now on this other show but that's great i th- i think i have a new favorite female wrestler too i'm super Who into her. uh chelsea green oh yeah chelsea green's good yeah the hot the hot mess or whatever they call her mm-hmm. 
she was in WWE for uh, like a split second. Right. Yeah, she was on the NXT or something like that. Yeah, and then she moved up to SmackDown and then broke her wrist in her very first match and then was out for like nine months and came back again and then got injured again. So eventually got. But she's married to uh, Matt Cardona in real life. Yeah, yeah. He's fantastic. She used to, because Matt Cardona and her have shown up in GCW, which is that super extreme, like ECW may look at it and be like, I don't know. Um, well, that's that's disturbing. Well, they do like the death matches and stuff like Nick Gage and John Moxley and stuff like that, which I'm not super into, but could stomach for every once in a while. But uh, she came out, she came out in like that Austin 316 type of shirt, you know, just the white fonts on the black. But, okay. it said, but it said Chelsea 469, and that was <laughs> made me laugh hysterically for some reason. <laughs> yeah, that's really that's a good one. I don't know. So, something about her, her like ring of persona, where she just, you know, she just comes off as that fucking bitchy girl at the party that you're always afraid is going to like <laughs> start a fight with somebody. Oh. You're like, yeah, no, I get it. I get no, I get that exact thing. She's she's fun, but she's scary. <laughs> you want to stay away from her. Well, it's too bad you can't watch AEW. They got some really good female wrestlers, even though they don't give them nearly enough screen time as they need to. If they would just if they would just put something on a fucking streaming service yeah. without having to buy cable. It's Rumor mad. is they're trying to they're trying to come to terms with HBO Max deal, but it just hasn't happened yet. I mean, I was looking at it apparently in WA to get like subscribe to their thing on fight and get all their pay-per-views in both shows. It's like five bucks a month. Yeah. And I was like, well, fuck, I guess if it's five bucks a month, I'll take, <laughs> I'll take all them weird low budget pay-per-views too. Yeah. They, uh, cause they were on YouTube and they became really popular. They blew up kind of that way. Then they left and went to, I think fight like exclusively for like a year and a half. So you couldn't watch any of their shows on YouTube. <laughs> then, yeah, uh, <laughs> and then they probably figured out that that's bad because then nobody can discover yeah. their <laughs> little not advertised wrestling. Yeah. So then something changed and they came back to YouTube and are sort of doing both. So Yeah, it's it's they've got a contract with Fight. They do one Fight exclusive show and then the other show, Power, it like airs live on fight on Friday night and then is released on YouTube Saturday morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. Power. Power's their their Monday night raw of their power. Power show. with three R's, Doug. Yeah. Power with three, three R's. R's. Yeah. Because yeah. once again with that R's. with and it's bright yellow in eighties font. Yeah, it's pretty fantastic. <laughs> It is a lot of fun. They do not shy away from the retro aspect of it, and I greatly enjoy it. I do like I like this weird thing because I've read some articles about it that apparently Billy Corgan does not want his career as a musician and his career as a wrestling promoter to cross over at all. <laughs> so he does everything he can to keep them separate. It's just it's so fucking weird. Because whenever they talk about him on the show, they always say William. They're like, William something, (laughs) Gorgon. (laughs) 
Yeah, because he's not like an on-air figure. Like he's he's shown up a couple times. Like one of them, they were building up to this giant like world championship match, and he showed up for the episode where the match took place. And he's like, "Are you kidding me? You think I'm not going to be here for this?" And I well, thought that that was kind of a fun like, "Oh look, Billy! Like he's president of the company. He's showing up to watch it live too. That's how important this match is." Well, I don't. I don't know if you remember this, but he made appearances in, I think it was ECW way back in the day. Mm-hmm. One of them was at the Peoria Civic Center. Right. And that kind of happened at the same time that ICP got signed on to like WCW for fucking 12 minutes uh, or whatever it was. Who wasn't signed to WCW for 12 yeah. minutes? Well, and I think the fact that those two things happened at the same time and people went, ooh, Billy Corgan's performances are equal to that of (laughs) ICP. That's not good. And he was like, "Okay, well, I still love wrestling, so I'm just going to buy a wrestling promotion and then not be on camera. He used to own like a super like small indie one and then got sold that and then eventually just bought the NWA. I started rewatching. They've still got the thing where WWE Network is free if you have uh peacock mm-hmm. which is just the strangest fucking thing in the world because you can pay whatever it is 10 or 12 dollars a month to have wwe network or you can pay four dollars for peacock and get it <laughs> that's funny that's yeah. just well, funny well the actual network doesn't exist is a separate thing here in the states anymore like if you want to watch it you have to get peacock to watch it okay but in foreign, like I'm sure in Canada, I think it's still like a separate. Yeah, I, I think it's still separate up here because I don't think we can't get Peacock up here. No, but I I started rewatching WCW wrestling, and I started watching it from like '85, so back whenever it was still NWA presents WCW. You're just, you're just trying to lead up to that appearance by RoboCop. Man, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you what, people hate it. That was pretty great. <laughs> that I is, mean, it's, ter- you're, it's fucking you're terrible, saying that wrong, but it's, yeah, but it's great. You like it. That doesn't mean it's good. Those are different things. I can't I, sit back and let you call it great. <laughs> you no, just can't do I, it. I am okay with wrestling having cartoonish moments as long as the whole thing doesn't become a cartoon. All right. Like when the Muppets hosted uh, fucking Raw, that's fine. I don't give a shit. It was hilarious. It was pretty funny. It shouldn't have been like the fact that somehow now in WWE canon, Beaker and Sheamus are cousins doesn't make any sense really, but sure. It kind of, it kind of does actually when you look <laughs> at the two of them beside each other. <laughs> I have no idea that the Muppets hosted Rob, but when you said that, I'm like, oh. you know, I can see that. Yeah. It was, it was a really fucking funny. Yeah. Cause that's when Santino was still wrestling and he was doing his comedy shtick. And was it Bunsen and Beaker were going to give him like a super formula to make him super powerful in the ring? Yeah, something. something Beaker was running it to the ring when Christian stopped him and knocked it out of his hand. But then Seamus saved him. I'm trying to think. And then fucking Miss Piggy lariated one of the wrestlers. And I can't remember who it was. (laughs) Uh, Like it's completely. They also, Bob Barker also hosted once and they did a uh, wrestler's uh, prices, right? And that I, was I believe I, I missed this whole era of wrestling. Apparently, yeah. Every week they would have a new celebrity host and it was usually terrible, but it, it was like there were a couple bright spots. It was 
post attitude era whenever like wrestling started trailing off and they were trying to figure out how to save it. Yeah. This was like 2010 ish. Maybe. All right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the guest host thing went happened for about a year and a half and it did not, uh, did not go over too well with most wrestling fans. I guess that that would be in the era like post me cutting the cord on cable. So even I wouldn't have even accidentally seen stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, are we done the wrestling segment of our podcast now? Or? Uh, I guess so. Should we talk about some weird Egyptian uh, sci-fi slash action movies? Sci-fi action movies from the 90s set in ancient Egypt? Starring that, that uh, well, not necessarily starring, but having that, uh, that one guy. Avery guy in it? Yeah, that guy that just plays an Egyptian. In every, I wonder if he's actually Egyptian. I never bothered to look that up. <laughs> just every movie where they need an Egyptian, they hire him. Really? <laughs> Can the Brendan Fraser one be called science fiction? I said science fiction slash adventure or action movies. Yeah. So I was going to pulp fantasy is where I would put it. Yeah. That's fair. But I know you're not a huge fan of that one, but I know you've been wanting to rewatch Stargate. So why don't you tell us about Stargate? Yeah, fucking Stargate, motherfuckers. Uh, (laughs) Stargate. You don't have to get angry. You can just tell us the plot. It'll be fine. I'm working on it. Uh, The movie starts in the 1920s with them discovering a weird giant metal disc in Egypt and promptly stealing it and taking it to America. Sure. as, as as, As is tradition. That's a little weird, though. 1928, you'd think that they would have stolen it and taken it to Britain, but, you know. Right. Uh, Then we cut to uh, Dr. Jackson, who is basically ancient aliens guy, but (laughs) less less terrible hair. Not 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 terrible hair, just less terrible hair. Uh, He gets conscripted into a military project who are attempting to decipher a weird uh, cartouche that has some writing on it that isn't normal hieroglyphics. He figures out that it's <laughs> that it's uh, constellations, which I feel like 80 years of work and they couldn't figure out that it was... <laughs> <laughs> Didn't seem that complicated. Yeah. He literally held a piece of paper up to one of the symbols went, oh, that's Orion. Right. Uh, <laughs> and then they reveal the truth that this metal disc they found is some kind of alien technology and they need those symbols to work. It's strange combination lock dialing mechanism, which I, so there's a plot hole here. We'll come back to the plot hole <laughs> later. Cause I have, I have a huge problem with the conversation they have. Uh, they open it. It turns out it's a portal to another planet on the, the weird thing is, I think they say it's in another galaxy, right? On the other side of the observable universe. Yeah. Which is pretty crazy. Uh, They go there and discover that he's right. And it was aliens the whole time. They're these asshole aliens that use these stargates and their giant pyramid Egyptian themed spaceships to fly from planet to planet, abducting people and placing them on this planet where they then force them to mine for an unspecified special metal. That is how all of their technology works. And apparently if you just put it near a bomb, the bomb blows up bigger because magic technology. I think you have to attach it to the bomb. Yeah. They're nonspecific. Yeah. And then basically they, they incite a rebellion. 
take out the aliens. Yeah, they, they tell them just because you're not allowed to write doesn't mean you can't rebel. I'll I'll tell you the first thing I noticed upon the rewatch of this movie that my brain I don't think originally processed is fuck me. There's a lot of people in this movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's got a really good cast. I was sitting there like, oh yeah. Remember that movie that Kurt Russell was in that nobody fucking talks about? And then it's like, oh, yeah, James Spader's in this. Richard fucking Kine's in this. <laughs> Wait, French Stewart's in this? <laughs> <laughs> French Stewart was a... He's not... He doesn't do a bad job in the movie, but he's just French Stewart, and that's all there is to it. It's not yeah. his fault that he's French Stewart, but... French Stewart is. is a hard-boiled Marine. <laughs> yeah. He's... He's he, fine. It's just you're sitting there going, "Isn't that Inspector Gadget too? Like, isn't that who that is?" Like, you say he's fine. I say he is a uh, he is a uh, acting class workshop character. Is what he's doing. Sure, he's like, but it's yeah, I'm gonna be this hard nosed army guy. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. Ain't you but supposed he's... to be getting us home? <laughs> it's a '90s action movie, though. In the interest of fairness, I mean. If, if you're if you're going to complain about that, you're going to have to start complaining about the fact that everybody's in full military uniform except Kurt Russell because he's so cool that he just has to wear the camo <laughs> pants and the black T-shirt with the black beret for some reason. <laughs> you know, you're going to get into stuff like he's, he's how come when they're when they're exploring um, pyramids instead of you know carrying flashlights, they just they light flares and hold them up in front of themselves. If you guys want to start nitpicking 90s action movies, we can do that. <laughs> I'm going to carry a flashlight. That doesn't look badass at all. Uh, Sir, I've got this one flashlight that's attached to my gun. Well, of course you can use that one. Rewatching this gave me a very big appreciation for one thing. So I was a big fan of the TV series. Yeah. Uh, and then not a big fan of the follow-up TV series. And then a pretty big fan of the follow-up to the follow-up TV series. <laughs> All right. What about the made-for-TV movies? Do we need to get into each and every one of those? Because there's a lot of lore in this. I've never seen any of it except right. for the movie. Uh, but, I first of all, I fucking forgot James Spader was in this movie completely, which was weird until he popped up on screen. And I was like, oh, holy shit, it was James Spader. Do you know what the weird thing about James Spader is that I noticed as I was watching this movie is... Um, he's not he's a menacing pervert? Yeah, he's like a really good actor who yeah. can play completely different parts. And that's why you forget he's in things. It's like, Oh, like he's playing like this nerdy, like Egyptologist, you know, conspiracy theory, aliens guy. Who's like really good at reading hydroglyphics and stuff. And you totally buy it. And then you're like, Oh, well, wait a minute. Isn't he inherently creepy and scary, but he's not in this movie at all. <laughs> it's, it's so, it's, it's always so confusing to he, see him not being a menacing pervert. Like yeah, that's his entire it, persona. It, yeah, but it's it makes total sense that he's just as a good actor able to do different things, but <laughs> it's just unexpected, you know. Yeah, unlike French Stewart, who again, right? I, I I think if you had never seen French Stewart before, we would not be discussing him in this movie at all. I think you would I just would. you would just be talking about he's just any no name nineties action. Yeah, I was going to say he has, he has three spoken lines, so it's not like he's chewing up. Yeah. But they're all talking like this. Yeah. I'm yeah. a hard nosed soldier. I was, I was going to say though, the actor that they have playing Dr. Jackson in the, uh, the TV series, cause he's kind of one of the two characters that carry over. It's like him and the general, 
uh, man, that dude looks a lot like fucking James Spader. I never realized that they did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah, I've never actually watched any of the Stargate TV shows, but I have like been flipping around, you know, back in the day when we had like five TV channels. And I would see it and I'd be like, oh, is that James? Is that the guy from Stargate? Oh, no, they just hired someone who looks a lot like. Yeah. Yeah, just, and then so, MacGyver to play Kurt Russell, apparently. So let's I need to talk about the most frustrating thing in this movie. The the one thing that I consider to be a giant glaring god awful pothole that makes no fucking sense. What? When they're dialing in the thing, mm-hmm. whenever it hits the sixth symbol, it's, you know, ramping up. And she's like, this is as far as we've ever gotten. And then it goes to the seventh symbol, which he figured out is just missing these two little squiggly lines. And once again, they were too fucking stupid to go, oh, these are identical except for these two squiggly lines. But he's the expert. None of them understand anything as well as he does. Right. Okay. But upon (laughs) and upon hitting that last one, the gate opens. Yeah. Right. So how many symbols are on that wheel? Do you think 30? Maybe. We'll round up 50. They've had it since 1920 and they had six out of seven of a combination lock. If they just went through the dial one at a time on the last fucking one, they should have had it open in like a day. Okay. First of all, 1928. So they didn't have nearly as much time as you're implying they had. And secondly, it doesn't work that way at all. You can't just if you it probably if you put in three wrong ones, it locks up like an old uh, Dell computer. Was. <laughs> so what do you think of that, Noah? You get locked out. You can't even try in, another time. In, in that case, they've tried it twice in that entire period of time. Sure, but they haven't gotten it right. And they know if they it, that's why they have to bring in the expert, because they know if they got it wrong a third time, they'd be screwed. <laughs> do, you, do you think it popped up in the morning? And it's like, hey. Yeah. You're attempting to dial a galaxy that doesn't exist. (laughs) That's what I think happened. Yes. Like like I said, I just every time I see this movie, that's the most infuriating thing. You're like, you only need they they knew the other six symbols and the order of those other six symbols. They only needed the last one. You could have brute forced that thing open in 20 minutes. Like. I feel you're wrong, but maybe it does. Maybe it does that shaking thing, no matter what symbols you put in. So they put the first six symbols in wrong and they still got the same result. But but once again, they knew the first six symbols and the order of them (laughs) because they're literally written down on a thing in order. (laughs) If he hadn't drawn the little stick figures on the side of the wall there, to show them all, none of them would have ever figured it out. Yeah. Okay. Like, what the hell are you doing? This is a 90s action movie, and this is the level of nitpicking you're putting to it? No. They don't don't pretend like this is just a little bit of nitpicking. This is ridiculous. If I had a bicycle lock with a fucking seven-digit code, and I knew six of the fucking numbers, and I walked up to you, and I was like, I can't get this open, you would punch me in my dick until I passed out. 
I'm just saying, yeah. though, you're feeling awfully confident. If Richard Kind couldn't figure it out, you wouldn't have figured it out. I tend to agree. He was like, he played a doctor of some kind, something in this. He played Dr. Richard Kind, I think, is just what he played. Yeah, yeah but, he's, but he's Richard Kind, so I'm assuming every time they asked him something, he just went, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I, as far as I'm concerned, you are ruining this movie on purpose to just steal joy from the world because it's a fucking action movie. And they're like, we finally got the expert that knows how to open the gate. And they brought him in and he opened the gate and that's it. Like, what I, do you know what more not, fucking logic not, do you want? I'm from not this? ruining this movie. Cause this movie is fan fucking tastic. Everyone should love this movie. <laughs> and it is an underappreciated sci-fi classic. I agree. Weirdly. I think this is the first time I've watched it since I thought in theaters. Right. I don't, but the thing I don't understand is I don't understand how the movie is so underloved and yet it has a million TV series that right. spun off of it that people are obsessed with. I think and that I think the forget. problem is I think the problem is that the director is Roland Emmerich and his reputation now is not great. Right. Like people think that. So when people look back at it and they see like, oh, Roland Emmerich making an alien movie. Yeah, that'll have a really well thought out plot and fucking really good characters. Yeah, that's just going to be the stupidest thing ever. It's just going to be things blowing up. And they forget that Roland Emmerich is a low budget George Lucas and that his movies were much, much better back before he had the technology and the budgets to do whatever he wanted when he was forced to actually spend time with the characters and tell a story because he had no other choice because they just couldn't have one big special effects shot that lasted two hours the way some of his newer movies do. I accept that. Second so, question. Why is Kurt Russell cosplaying as Guile from Street Fighter? Well, he reused it in Soldiers, so. As, in the interest of fairness, like, Guile from Street Fighter was pretty popular in 1994. That's kind of what people thought <laughs> like a really cool, like, military guy was like. It's, yeah. You know? You just should be happy he didn't sonic boom somebody. What about the weird? Well, it would have been better if he had. What about the weird like plot point where they're like at the beginning of the movie, Kurt Russell's character is like no longer active in the military and he's at home like he's got weird haircut and he's sad because his son died. And then they're like they send like military guys to his home and be like, sir, you've been reactivated. It's important that you come back to base. And then he like goes and gets cleaned up and looks like a soldier again and shows back up at base and then they just dropped that plot point and it was all irrelevant and you just didn't need to do any of that well what about that no <laughs> not entirely not entirely irrelevant because the whole point is that he was the suicide mission guy and they picked him specifically because he was the person that would kill himself not but saying he, it's a good plot point i'm just saying he's just he's just standard badass guy who's willing to sacrifice himself for the win None of that other stuff is necessary for that. Well, this was also back far enough where I think we were still supposed to believe that uh, military guys are good guys oh, automatically okay. by virtue of them <laughs> being a military guy. And yeah. they can get over whatever problems they're having mentally just by getting back into the army. Just by yeah, manning up. Yeah. So we needed a reason for him not to be a perfectly good guy. All right. <laughs> I'll accept that. How about how about them sick ass uh, fucking Anubis helmets that the guard guys wear? Yep, I always did yep. enjoy those. 
Well, the visuals in this movie are fantastic. Like the weird combination of like sci-fi technology with ancient Egypt, like all the the helmets and the weapons and stuff are all cool. The the uh, the water effect of the portal opening holds up so so freaking well. It was Mm. so clean. Yeah. Mm. Oh, did it it though? I think it did. I 100% think it did. To be fair, I was watching a standard def copy of it on my 75-inch TV, so maybe that didn't help it any. That could be the issue. Because I was sitting there thinking, man, the water effects in Mario Super Mario 64 seemed like a lot better than this. Oh, oh really? Yeah. I thought it, I thought it looked really good. Yeah, it was one of those things that surprised me because, like, there is like in both these movies, there's some CGI that's not perfect because it's the 90s, but um. There's also like some shots that look really good, and that was one of the ones I was going to bring up because it does look fantastic in my mind. Uh, how about the fact that the bad guy in the movie is like a 13 year old kid playing a menacing uh, pervert instead of James Spader? <laughs> no, James Spader was busy; he had another role. So right, right. <laughs> James Spader was not available to play the menacing pervert, so they mm-hmm. got a small ethnic child to do it. That's correct. Yeah, that's the correct way to handle that. I mean, he does a great acting job, but you're like, ooh, what a weird. It is. He is menacing, though. That's the thing. And I think sometimes you get like if they had put in like a big, like bulky, like Schwarzenegger type in that role, I think you would have just thought, OK, Kurt Russell's going to just have to beat him up then. But by making it a menacing, smaller person, you're like, oh, it's just it's creepier and weirder. It is weird little whole horde of half shaved children yeah <laughs> what's what's weird about that <laughs> uh, yeah it wasn't weird till you made it weird now thanks a lot <laughs> it's, it's, it's real weird it gets real weird because like i said there's there's a few moments where they uh the camera frames him in a way to make him uh, for a lack of a less cringy word sensuous <laughs> and and they're doing that that's the to less Kirk yeah, I, I really wish you hadn't said that I'm yeah, just going to be honest but they're doing it to a child surrounded by a horde of children yeah he's not a child he's the Greek god of the sun so Egyptian just, sorry yeah you're right <laughs> if, that's a weird, if it was a weird Apollo, slip it would be, it'd be way more confusing it's just be a, a lot, fucking blonde guy if it, if it was the Greek god it would be a lot more sensuous yeah <laughs> just, I'm right. just saying like there's the there's the scene of him like lounging on the bed with his horde of children putting his jewelry on for him <laughs> like it's weird shit gets real weird in this movie <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but the I mean, action, it, the action scenes are dope. Yeah. No, I, I, and again, like you say, it's weird, but I think it's meant to be weird. It's meant to be creepy and off-putting and it does right. a good job. It's, it's action movie shorthand for like, you know, these are the bad guys basically. Right. No, I'm, I'm with you. It's it's effective. And I don't think it's bad enough that anybody would watch this and go, Oh God, no. <laughs> like, but it is bad enough that you watch it. No, most for people a moment bring you go. Uh, what uh, else? Do you have any favorite parts? Uh, tell tell King Todd I said hi. <laughs> that was a good one. No, it's it's pretty good. I like I like a an old action movie 
that they really stick that landing on a one liner <laughs> instead of just uh, rapid firing them like a Arnold movie. Um, you even say the yeah. whole line. It's say hi to King Tut motherfucker. And then <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it, it, it's a bit corny, that line, but it, it lands. Yeah. I'm OK with it. Again, 90s action movies. You I'd know have what you're signing one. up for. Yeah. I do appreciate that this movie doesn't have that whatever that malaise that a lot of early 90s action movies have that we've complained about before where it's just like they're just going through the emotions. Like everybody's committed in this movie. Got that James Spader. He's a yeah. uh, really dives into his characters and apparently so does French Stewart as I pointed out. <laughs> And then Kurt Russell's playing Kurt Russell. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He talks a lot more than he does in Soldier. Otherwise, it's pretty close to the same character. Yeah. No, it's his it's Kurt Russell has his like certain things that he does when he's and this is his like stoic action movie military man. And that's fine. Like it suits the movie. So it's 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 fucking great. That's the the thing about a lot of the casting is. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say the absolute worst part of this movie is the fact that it's super fucking hard to watch this movie. If you don't happen to already own this movie, <laughs> it's really not. It's, as, as Noah found out. <laughs> I don't know if you live in Canada, you just go on Amazon prime and search. And if you go as, get as far as star, it'll be, it'll auto fill the rest for you. Yeah. You Unfortunately, Amazon prime here. tells you to go fuck yourself. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bezos gotten angry since he, since he stepped down. Huh? Right. I had to fucking I had to do a free trial of Cinemax. I feel weird now. You did? You didn't watch the one I sent you? You sent me one? Oh yeah. No, did I you just completely ended up, forgot. I just I I did completely fucking forgot you sent yeah. me one. Cuz I downloaded that one and watched it through my Plex. Oh. Which is why it was standard def and uh, Well, then I made the right choice cuz it was crisp and clean yeah. through Cinemax. Yeah. Plus now I can watch some of that Cinemax After Dark. Oh, God. Flashbacks. Flashbacks of high school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah what have you been watching stuff is going to be real weird until Noah's free trial runs out. <laughs> yep. You guys already know I watch Andy Sidaris movies. There's no surprises here. Oh, don't worry. We're going to talk about that later. Uh, anything else? Do you have any favorite scenes there, Doug? Um. No, I, I, it was less about the individual scenes for me, and I actually just thought it was like a, a really fun movie to watch. Um, uh, I did like the sort of weird spaceship things that they were flying around in towards the end. thought that was fun. They reminded me of the uh, like the typical like invaders from Mars type spaceships yeah, that you yeah, see in an old 50s movie. Ones. Yeah, they were, they were reminiscent of that, but with an Egyptian tinge to it that I thought was kind of fun. I did. I, I was going to say, I think my favorite part of the plot is that the real thing that the entire victory hinges on is just the idea of a person putting in the work to learn the language of the people. Yeah. <laughs> Which is great. It's a great thing. <laughs> well, it's so like the movie is in some ways very cliched. Like it, it is the typical, like what if this conspiracy theory about aliens building the pyramids was true? And then let's just find a way to turn that into an action movie. You know what I mean? But in other ways, it's surprisingly culturally sensitive for a movie of its era where it is kind of like they get there and they see these people suffering and it is kind of like, well, 
we need to lead them in a bit of a revolt and we need to learn to communicate with them and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Cause there's even a scene where like one of the, for lack of a better term, Egyptians touches Kurt Russell's gun and he like screams at him cause he doesn't want the kid to accidentally shoot somebody. And you actually see him like, cause he's Kurt Russell and he's a good actor. He's like, feels bad for like scaring the kid, but he's like, I, I, I wasn't trying to be mean. Like, you know what I mean? There, it's weird that this movie takes the time to do little things like that, considering it's a nineties action movie and it's a Roland Emmerich movie. <laughs> it could just be a Kurt Russell thing. Yeah, maybe. But it, it's stuff like that. I thought, I thought made this elevated this beyond just being a silly action movie and made it into like a good film. Yeah, because I mean, that basic concept of like, oh, this conspiracy theory is true. Let's turn it into an action movie. That's been done a lot, you know, 2012 and whatever other crap that's gone on out there. Um, And usually it's just nonsense that I can't sit through. But this particular movie ends up being pretty good. I'm glad I rewatched it. I haven't seen it probably since the 90s. So. Yeah, the biggest change they made from this movie to the uh, TV series is at the end when the nuke goes off, you kind of see what the alien actually looks like. And he's just like your stereotypical gray alien hiding in a yeah. human suit. And in the TV series, the the Gwauld, which are those aliens, are more like these gross tadpole monsters that they stick into your stomach and they take you over. Oh, that's kind of neat. I, I actually, I feel like maybe I should have watched the TV show. I think I would have liked it, but ten seasons of a of a series nowadays, and when there there were probably like twenty four episodes each yeah, season. Like it's that's not going to it's not going to happen. There's nothing close oh, to that is ever going to happen. <laughs> plus, plus it starts off super cheesy and kind of like finds its footing and gets better as time goes on. So you got to sit okay. through those first couple yeah. seasons of like lazy episodic storylines but the whole first series is good and then the jason momoa series is not and then universe is good again which i uh forgot that the show originated on showtime oh yeah and had nudity and stuff yeah that's what i was yeah because i just thought like how many seasons was that and i pulled it up and i was looking at some of the trivia and i was like oh shit yeah the first season was on showtime and they had nudity in it I forgot. Oh, not forgot. I didn't know in the first place, but uh, anything else before we move on? Yeah, it's dope. If you've never seen Stargate, you should probably watch Stargate. I, it is yeah, a enjoyable I, movie. I agree with that. It's it, as far as just a quality movie, it's probably the best Roland Emmerich film out there. Like it's it's sort of at his peak, I would say. Even above Independence Day? This is a much better movie than Independence Day. Independence Day is more fun to watch and it has Jeff Goldblum in it. Yeah, but does anybody punch an alien in the face and say, welcome to Earth? No. Okay, well, that's your answer. That's your answer. That that wouldn't make any sense in Stargate because the aliens don't come to Earth. They go to the aliens. Get your head out of your ass, Brian. You're right. (laughs) No, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, you can, I'm just looking at the IMDb page, um, and it's like, you can see, like, he gets to, like, his early stuff that I haven't seen. And then there's like universal soldier and then this, which are his best movies. And then comes independence day, which is still fun, but you can see he's getting bigger and more over the top. And then all of a sudden it's Godzilla and then a career of unwatchable stuff just 
follows that to the point where like I, like he literally follows has, that. Yeah, I would year. say starts that. Yeah, like, I was good. I was gonna say summer blockbuster sci-fi movies have a bad track record in general. Like, yeah, yeah. it's it's rare for you to watch one of those summer sci-fi movies and be like, yeah, fuck yeah. And this is one of the few that you're like, yeah. Punch that dude in the face. Fuck him. <laughs> uh, well, Doug, why don't you uh, run down our other one? Speaking of punch him in the face, fuck him. Why don't you tell us about 1999's The Mummy? The <laughs> uh, Mummy, you want to know the plot? It's uh, yeah, Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of old-timey guys running around Egypt, and they're all trying to find the city of the dead, and they get there, and they accidentally resurrect Imhotep, who is going to take the one girl in the whole movie hostage, and is he going to turn her into his bride or something like that? Yes. Yes. Is that the idea? He's, gonna, he's going to place his dead lover's soul in her body. That's the idea, okay. I wasn't 100% sure exactly what was going on there. So then they uh, they all have to stop him, and he is, he's gradually regenerating by absorbing the souls of others, and uh, everybody's having a grand old time doing it. That's what's key to this movie. You have to realize that even though there's like a mummy coming back that has like all of these supernatural powers, and he's kind of creepy looking at times and stuff, everybody's just happy as hell to be there running around that desert, man. <laughs> I mean, even that mummy's having a good time. Oh, yeah, sure. He's loving this. Why not? Why wouldn't you? You've been dead for a few thousand years and you get to come back? Why not be in a good mood about it? <laughs> My biggest complaint about this movie, too many characters. We need to cut these characters way down. Oh, yeah. We could have done without the entire American team, probably. Yeah, poor man's Kurt Russell, like, leading the way. And just, just there, I think, because they... We're like, ah, a lot of people in this movie have accents. We better put in some people with no accents. <laughs> I was going to say, because dude, dude from Dungeons and Dragons, the movie who plays Imhotep. Uh, Arnold Vosloo. Yeah, who is forever scarred by being in that god-awful <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons movie. More scarred playing playing not Liam Neeson, Darkman. Uh, he does a good job. Brendan Fraser is being uh, charismatic, attractive Brendan Fraser, which is fine. And even uh, what's his face? The dude who plays uh, Benny. Kevin J. O'Connor. Yeah. 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 Kevin J. O'Connor. He's fucking killing it. He's great. I I just feel like if we would have spent way more time with those characters instead of like fucking jumping back and forth with a fucking five million goddamn characters, (laughs) it would have been way more interesting. Yeah, um, yeah, but you know, I think they wanted it to feel bigger in scope, and you do that by having more people and moving around more. Oh yeah, and speaking of, we we were talking about how that special effect held up. Holy fuck, the CGI in this is bad. <laughs> oh Jesus, I, that the movie fucking started with like a close up on that statue. I was like. Holy shit. This looks like a fucking Super Nintendo fucking video game FMV sequence. Like, bad, bad, bad. Nah, I'm going to push back a little bit. I, it held up better than I expected it to. I'm not saying it looks good by today's standards or anything like that. But I don't think the, the CGI is bad for 1999 CGI. Do you think? I, yeah, I think I it, agree with that. I think it looks bad enough that they shouldn't have put it on fucking camera. Oh, no, I, I disagree. Like, even when, like, when Imhotep is, like, 
semi reconstructed and he's walking around and he's got like parts missing from his face and shit. Yeah. I think that stuff looks really good. Yeah. No, he's, I think he's okay. I'm, I'm saying like that beginning sequence where they were doing the buildings and the pyramids and the Sphinx and all that, that was real, real bad. (laughs) And when they're being chased by the scarabs, the scarabs are real, real bad. I think the scarabs are 1999 technology. Um, I don't think they're any better or worse than what I would expect. I don't remember the sequence you're talking about at the beginning. It didn't stand out to me, so it can't have been that bad in my mind. I know what you're talking about. It uh, it wasn't good, but again, I just chalked it up to, well, it's 1999. What do you expect? Because I remember doing like, an entire cityscape in daylight is probably not yeah. the best use of CGI in a movie at this time. Yeah. The scarabs, like, I remember seeing that in theaters and, like, it, they go in and they go under the skin and you see them crawling around and that. Well, and I remember that, that looking really good in 1999 and it doesn't entirely hold up, but I still think it's no, the concept it, of it is creepy as hell. So it's just... fine. The, the individual scarab that, like, burrows underneath the guy's skin and into his brain and shit, that's fucking yeah. cool. I'm talking, like, when they're running down the hallway and there's the horde of scarabs chasing yeah, them. Yeah. That, I mean, it looks completely disconnected from the scenery. It's bizarre. Sure, but it's 1999 CGI. That's just what we got back then. We're just, re- the technology has advanced so quickly that movies, like, started looking bad like a year after they came out. Yeah. Yeah, when, when they show the scene of him where he's just like some, pretty much just like a skeleton with eyes and a tongue for whatever yeah. reason. Because Amanda was watching it. She hadn't seen it in a long time either. And I was just like, one point, this was state-of-the-art technology. Now it looks worse than an Instagram filter. So Yeah. it's So it is strange that the idea that we used to pay money to go to a theater to see this and, like, be excited. <laughs> and then now it's like, yeah, I could probably... Give me a few minutes. I'll find an app that does a better job than this. I mean, now, now CGI is so good. We could put Brendan Fraser's hair back on him and make him not oh. look all fat. He's still got good hair. No, he doesn't. No, it's it's real thin. He's got Donald oh. Trump hair. Oh, don't say that. Yeah, that's mean. But we we all love Brendan Fraser. No, I I, I still I love Brendan Fraser. I'm just saying he just he didn't age well. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate <laughs> what happened to him. He had a rough decade. Leave him alone. But anyways, let's talk about Happy Brendan Fraser from 1989. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Smart alecky, uh, is somewhat, somewhat sexist Brendan Fraser, but we all look, just are kind of went with you, it. There's some casual sexual assault in this movie that it would not be cool today, but it was 1999 and it was 1930s in the movie. So you let stuff like that go. And that's all there is to it. Do you guys, a little bit of that, like, you know, just the forcing kisses on the girl and then being like, whoa, what was the big deal? And it's like, no, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to do that. But it's OK, because she liked it. Ugh. What about when she's like hammered and he's making out with her? And I'm like, Ugh. nah, she's like, I know, like, sometimes you're just drinking and things happen. But this is she's really intoxicated and you're not at all. <laughs> Remember when that was a plot point in 16 Candles? Oh, hmm. In a lot of 80s movies. It's a rough movie to revisit, but I still love that movie. Do you guys remember the six months after this movie came out when every fucking woman alive was obsessed with the 
main female character and they would fucking be like, I'm a librarian. <coughs> I still know people who are obsessed with Rachel Weisz. Fuck me. <laughs> Jesus. It was a bad, it was a bad, like, six months. Jeez. <laughs> you I was going to war with Rachel Weisz. Listen, the actress, no... is, the actress is fine. It's it was just people being obsessed with that character, being it's all just... weird about it. It's like you need to calm the fuck down. No one's talking about Rachel Weiss fans. How I talk about fucking Toronto Maple Leaf fans at this point. What is going on? <laughs> Those listen. The the people who were obsessed with that character were the same people who were quoting Austin Powers for five years after Austin Powers came out. All right. I have, like, I have uh, no recollection of this at all. I remember people seeing the movie in the theaters and going, that was pretty fun and moving on with their lives. It's bad as people sharing like uh, Borat memes on Facebook still. Right. Yeah. It was funny. Well, it was funny like for the like one a I week. Did in our group the yeah. other day. Yeah. Funny for a that week. That one was so funny. <laughs> all right. Uh, Anyways. Uh, do we have any favorite scenes in this one? You know what is a dumb scene that I really like is when they're on the boat and things start to go awry. This mm. is like before Imhotep is even there because Imhotep doesn't show up until an hour into this movie. Like he's yeah. in the opening scene and then he's then the rest of it is just them swashbuckling about for like an hour. I forgot how long but, it took for him to show up. Yeah, I, I was blown. It blew my mind when he showed up. I paused the movie to see how far in it was. And I'm like, how is it like an hour and four minutes in? And he was only in the opening scene. But when they're on that boat and they just all start fighting for no good reason, just because it's been, you know, whatever the formula is, this is time when we need an action beat. So Brendan Fraser and his friends all jump off the boat and swim to shore. And then he like points out to the other guy that he's on, that they are, the other guy's like, I got all the equipment. And he's like, yeah, but you're on the wrong side of the river. And I'm just like, for some reason, I find that so entertaining, that stuff. I don't know why. It's just, I've got all the horses. <laughs> the relationship between the Benny character and the Brendan Frazier character is just so fun throughout the whole movie. And like when Benny teams up with Imhotep and then. Freddie Frazier's just like, he's like, he's not mad at him. He's just disappointed. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> Teaming up with the mummy. Who does that? Like, it's true. Even to the very end, he was still trying to save him. Like that wall's coming down. He's like, Betty, Betty, he's got his hand out. But it's just too late. Then he's like, all right, well, bye, Benny. And it just takes off. I think, I think my favorite scene mm-hmm. of the movie is uh, when Imhotep and Benny are in the apartment with the guy whose eyes and tongue he took at the beginning and and Benny does that creepy little speech about how he grateful the you. prince is. Thanks yeah. you for your eyes. He thanks you for your tongue. Oh man, it's it's fucking great. It's the one legit like horror movie moment in the entire Yeah. The movie is not trying to be a horror film. I think if anyone no. hasn't seen it in a while you have to remember that. Like yeah the concepts are horror film adjacent, but nothing about this. This is closer to Indiana Jones than it is to being a remake of the mummy. Right. And the mummy doesn't even use his greatest superpower. Choking a bitch to death. (laughs) (laughs) That's my favorite. I I fucking love the universal mummy movie because that's just the whole thing. He just, he just chokes a bitch. Like that's that's all he ever does. that's how you killed people back then, man. It was right. He's walking towards like, you. You just step to the side. You'll be all right. 
Wolfman used to just choke people to death too, and it's like you got him. But it was just it was a simpler time in filmmaking back then. Yeah, but this can be blamed for the Tom Cruise one because Universal was just like, yeah, but yeah, I mean, you know, Listen, yeah. those action ones worked. We can make another franchise out of it, right? Here's here's the thing, like this type of movie, this like throwback action adventure, like pulp cinema that exists. It, it's been going on forever and there's just there's periods of times where it seems to work and then it doesn't usually work. So you had like the Indiana Jones period where obviously it was working. And then like the early 90s when they tried to make movies like this, it didn't go well. And then somehow in like the late 90s there was this and there was like those weird Zorro movies with Antonio Banderas that were kind of like mm, really fun yeah, to watch. Yeah, and yeah. you're like, yeah, like they're, they, they, they're doing it right again. Like they're doing these like silly guys running around on horses with swords and just having a grand old time. They're doing it well again. And then Billy it kind of faded off again after that. <laughs> well, let's, we had our, we had a discussion about that. Listeners can go back <laughs> and listen to us complain about that movie without us getting into it again. Which one? Um, the Phantom. The Phantom. Oh, the Phantom. Yeah. How many pillars saying purple spandex movies do you think there are, Brian? <laughs> I completely did not. I heard something about spandex and I missed everything else. Okay. Sorry. It's okay. But um, yeah. yeah, no, yeah, they, it, they, it they, is. They, it does go in a weird cycle and we're, yeah. we're in another one where they tried it again and everybody was like, nope. Yeah. Well, because I mean, even like the natural like descendant of these movies, you get into something like the Pirates of the Caribbean movies that I, I never really liked. I know some people do. But I, they were just too cartoonish and over the top for me. Um, these ones here, they just seem to nail that atmosphere just right, where it's like we're all just going on a roller coaster ride. It's, you know, it's almost a big budget version of like Army of Darkness or something like that. Like where it's just like, all right, whatever. There's mummies now. Nobody seems that bothered by it. Like you know, <laughs> I think I think pulp is just like pulp adventures are just a hard fucking thing to do in general. Oh, yeah, because they have to both not like not take anything seriously and at the same time take everything seriously because you can't it can't just be a joke. It needs to like be kind of silly and funny on its own merits, if that makes sense. Yeah. And you you need to nail like the casting too. like I think Brendan Fraser was a guy that just came along at the right time to be in these types of movies where it's like he's really good at this. You know what I mean? And not that many people are, you know? So I don't know. It, it all, it all works. Like I think the movie really held up. Well, I really had a good time watching it. The weird horror elements of it that creep in. I'm like, they're done. Okay. Like CGI mummies and shit. We're all fine. And mostly you're just like smiling and watching these guys go on their adventure. Somebody gonna talk about part two and what 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 else we watched? Nope. Oh, they better not. Wanted to see how that. that. Uh, wanted to see how that rock CGI held up. Uh, I'm assuming not well because it sucked at the time. So <laughs> just can't can't imagine it got better. Nobody like special <laughs> edition to that shit. I remember seeing that in theater, and you get to that scene at the end where you finally see the uh, rock man scorpion CGI hybrid thing. And I think I, I audibly in the theater went, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was like an awkward like, oh, this is like this technology already doesn't hold up and the movie's not over yet. Like, 
I don't, I haven't, they, I don't think they I've should seen have it hired them a Harryhausen. I, like, I don't think I've seen that movie except for in theaters. I've definitely seen this one a few times over the years. Yeah, I think this is the one I didn't see in theaters. I think I, if I remember, there was a weird sale where it's like, buy the Mummy movie and get a free ticket to the Mummy 2. So I bought it, watched it, and then like two hours later, went and saw the Mummy 2 in the theater. Yeah, that's kind of fun. We used to be able to do that. You'd buy a movie and then you get free tip, free movie ticket to see the sequel. I like that. I saw American <laughs> Pie 2 for free because I bought American Pie on DVD once. <laughs> you know what I remember is when I went and saw the uh, the Mummy. They were just in 1999. They were just starting to show like commercials before the previews started, oh, and there yeah. was there was this beer commercial where like people were sitting around a campfire singing Sweet Caroline. And damned if the whole theater didn't just start singing along to this song in the, <laughs> the beer commercial. It was so fun. And then it's like, oh, I think they just got us. It's too bad that's not a commercial for a better beer. I always love stuff like that. Like, uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit of stuff like that later on. But like when we used to do our Drunken Zombie Double Features, every Christmas we would always find some newer, horrible indie horror Christmas movie to show. And then we would always show Santa Claus Conquers the Martians as our classic movie. Okay. Yeah. And everybody in the theater would always sing along with the song at the end. And it was always fantastic. <laughs> it's just fun, man. That's why I love going to the movies. Yeah. Yeah. My, my one thing that I watched this week, I didn't go to the theater to see it because it was <laughs> like just streaming. Uh, and I was like, oh, screw it. I'll just watch it streaming. And then I realized... Yeah, this makes me sad. I should have went to the theater. <laughs> yeah, but they wouldn't have been a fun crowd to see it with, probably. I don't know. I just, there's something about the experience of watching a movie in a movie theater. I wish I could just watch every movie in the movie theater. No, I'm with you. Yeah. Like I said, I got a lot of stuff to talk about like that coming up. But I already started it, looking uh, at it for, for next week because I want to go to the movies. And I'm like, there's different movies playing in different theaters that I want to see. And I'm like, damn it. I don't know which one to go to. I'm already stressed about it. Like, it's like five days away. <laughs> I don't think I don't think I'll have time to go see a movie next weekend. I got my wrestling show and then I got Weird Al tickets. Oh, you got Weird Al tickets next week? Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. It's fun. We're all expecting a review of that. Yes. I'm excited. I've never seen him in concert before. Me neither. Neither way. I bought tickets once and then it got canceled. No. Oh. All right. Anything else about the mummy? No, uh, we haven't talked about the mummy in like 15 minutes. All so right. <laughs> we all liked it though. Yeah, it's fine. It, it was like a fun, nostalgic, like nineties throwback. Watching yeah. these again. I haven't watched them in forever. This was a good week. I'm glad we did these. Mm, better stay that way. We'll see. Thanks for calling the midnight drive in. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to TheMidnightDriveIn at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Alright, what did everybody watch since last week? Well, besides my fuck ton of wrestling, I watched. <laughs> All right. Uh, I watched the new Firestarter, the remake and or readaptation, 
and or reboot. I don't I don't know what the fuck they're calling it. I don't know which thing it falls under. Uh, it's like I was telling Brian, it's one of the few Stephen King books I don't think I've actually ever read, which is super weird because it's totally the type of story that I dig. Yeah, it seems like you'd appreciate it. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I just have no idea. I think it's because it's one of his like longer books, and I was always yep. like, I don't want to read a long ass book. It's not that long, really, isn't it? I th- I could have sworn my hardback of it was super big because I own it. No. I just I just haven't ever sat down and read it. Um, I don't know. I didn't. So it wasn't a terrible movie, and it's hard to compare it to the first one because they tried to modern it up a bunch, which means I'm assuming it's also hard to compare it to the book. Four hundred pages, I guess. Yeah. The bad guy was less scary than than he was in the original. Uh, yeah, I'm going to let you give your review and then I'm going to give my rebuttal because I watched it last night. Yeah. And uh, what, what was the other thing I was going to say? Zach Efron actually did a, a pretty good job. Yeah, I like, like Zach Efron. Yeah, I'm normally not a huge fan of his because I feel like he's 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 a new Brendan Fraser. He's one of those people who skates by on likable charisma. And I would rather see him acting. And in this movie, he actually does a little bit of acting. Yeah. He did in the Ted Bundy movie, too. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Like like I said, I'm, I'm assuming they changed quite a bit from the book. Because they modernized it so much that it's not possible. And it's early era Stephen King. So I'm assuming the <laughs> it's probably offensive in some weird way. Because <laughs> his books tended to be like that. Not that I remember, but, but it's hard telling. But yeah, the parts where the little girl's like fucking burning people alive is pretty great. She explodes a cat, which makes me sad. Oh, that was horrible. Yeah, it was real bad, but it was a good horror movie moment. So I guess. Uh, and the actor who played. Uh, oh, what's help me out, Brian? What's his name? The the Native American guy who's the John assassin. Rainbird. Rainbird. Yeah. Mm. Uh I, I, I fucking dig that actor a lot. Yeah, he's all right. Uh, yeah. I did, my biggest problem is the end of the movie flows a little weird, and I feel like there's 10 minutes missing from the movie <laughs> to, to justify that character going from where he was going into the end of the movie to where he was once everything came to a head. <laughs> I don't I don't understand. <laughs> his motivations because at first I thought they were going with a culty thing that maybe it was going to be her, her mental powers or whatever are so overbearing that her influence is warping the perceptions of all the other psychic people because he repeats the same thing that the mom said at the beginning. Like you'll understand once you see her or whatever, but that's not really the way it went. And I kind of understand the theme of the ending of the idea that the the dad was trying to protect her from becoming a monster and in the end ends up pushing her into becoming a monster li- literally and figuratively <laughs> and even pushes her into the hands of a guy who is now going to train her to use her powers and who is a complete murderous sociopath is he though i feel like they undercut that a lot in this movie 
yeah i mean he kills a bunch of people but i don't know it's it's weird but just just as a movie standing on its own i thought it was fine it's not the best movie in the world but it wasn't bad as far as an adaptation i can't speak to it on the other hand was not a fan of it i was with it for about the first half and then they started changing a bunch of shit and made it worse and they completely destroyed the character of john rainbird who is just unadulterated pure evil in the books um george c scott version maybe not so much <laughs> so weird say, once once again if that's the way it is in the books might be problematic that the one person in the story who's a minority is the epitome of evil yes but uh completely undercut that they did a whole bunch of changes that make horrible horribly no sense half of the book takes place when they're captured in the shop and is the better part of the book and they didn't even do that in this one. Right. And you, they made it basically a superhero movie. Which it's which I was kind of expecting awesome. that from the beginning. Were you a little pissed off? So I got so excited at the beginning whenever you hear the voice and then see the in the title credits that Kirkwood Smith is in the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, fuck yeah, Kirkwood Smith. And he's in this movie for three fucking seconds. Right. Yeah, sort of the villain, the military villain person not good. Kurtwood Smith would have been amazing if he would have been in the whole thing. But so I don't even know what the point of having him in this if he was just in it for that one scene. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, it, it feels to me, I wonder if there's going to be some kind of a director's cut of this movie. It feels to me like there's sections of this movie that are missing. Um, in the book, she doesn't have everybody's powers. The only power she has is the uh, fire starter power. Yeah, that was a little weird at the end. I was trying to figure out what the fuck was going on. I was like, wait, she's using her heat powers to unlock doors? I don't think yeah. that's the way that works. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Probably shouldn't go too far to the end because I'm sure some people haven't seen it, but just I don't it understand. doesn't sound like you're recommending it. I, I am not. Like, I'm not getting that either one of you really is recommending it. No, it I'm not. No, I, I liked it enough that it's fine. It's fine. Watch it. Like I'm I'm not because the very the like the very end makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. So yeah, was not a fan. Was not a fan of the changes. Weirdly enough, I don't know why they did this as a movie. They should have done a Firestarter like series. I feel like it would work pretty well because if you read the book. There's sections that are very episodic where they're hiding out at different places that I think could work really well. Different the different people they meet and stuff. But they kind of zoom through all that stuff in this one. Um not a recommend for me. No, I thought it was okay. I feel like they missed they missed the opportunity to really they made it so using your psychic powers caused you physical problems. Which they did in the book in the original movie. Right, which is which is fine, but it, I feel like the more interesting story is about how having these powers fucks you up as a person. You know what I mean? Because you can't you can't be normal anymore. Which they try and tackle a little bit, but I don't feel like they succeed very well. Yeah, they didn't do a very good job of it. I don't feel like they succeeded in the original movie very well either. But. And I'm just saying, look, there was a character who was the science teacher. Could you just not call Drew Barrymore? Have her show up for a day or two <laughs> to do a cameo? I mean, it wasn't that hard. I'm a little sad that I didn't have time. I was going to go back and watch the original, too, and I just didn't have time. Like I said, it's a lot closer to the book. It's still not 
quite there yet, but I don't. The weird thing is the original movie. I can only remember three little snippets. I remember Drew Barrymore setting a piece of toast on fire, which is a random thing that happens. And when they're testing her in the shop and she's like somehow lights concrete on fire. And then I remember her dad turning a convincing somebody that a stick is a snake or something weird like that. Yeah, they did a lot of cool stuff with them. Yeah, yeah and that's it. Those are, those are the only three things I can remember from that entire movie. He did a lot more cool stuff in the other movie. Like, there's some point where there two agents like catch up to him, and you see him just look at the guy, and he goes, "You're blind." And the guy all of a sudden just goes, "Like, oh my god, I can't see, I can't see." And just little stuff like that was like a lot of fun in the original movie, and obviously super cheap. So I don't know why they couldn't do more stuff like that. But they didn't. In the book, do they have magical contacts so that they can avoid his powers? <laughs> no, because that makes no sense whatsoever. It's supposed to be a mental thing. What do their fucking eyes have to do with anything? I don't know. But I think that's it. I don't think I watched anything else. What about you, Doug? Um, I don't have a lot either. I rewatched the movie Dirty Work. Starring oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have his thumb <laughs> was... in that dog's ass? <laughs> I've been meaning to rewatch it. Like first when uh, Bob Saget passed away, I was going to watch it. Then when Norm Macdonald passed away, I was going to watch it. And I never did. And then it just, whatever streaming service recommended it to me. And I went, yep, doing that. Yep. So, I mean, it, if you're a Norm Macdonald fan, it's really, really funny. If you're not, it's not at all. Cause it's just Norm Macdonald being Norm Macdonald for the whole time. Is that, is that a dead hooker in that trunk? There are dead hookers in all these trunks. I've never seen so many dead hookers in my entire life. Lord knows I have. <laughs> Did you guys hear that uh, Norm Macdonald filmed like a stand-up special? Before yeah, he in his house as he was yeah. sick. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy. It's just like, well, I could possibly die within the next year, so let's go ahead and film this. And nobody released it until like six months after I'm dead. Yeah, apparently he was going in for surgery the next day and it was like hit or miss whether he was going to survive. So he's like, well, we better get this on film now so that everyone gets one last laugh. Jesus. That's just fucking who Norm Macdonald was, man. Yeah. It's yeah. If I so. swear to God, if that starts with him making a joke about if you're watching this, I'm dead. I might laugh and cry and never be able to finish it. <laughs> this uh, is the perfect joke. Shut it off. That, that might very well happen. It's we're we're losing a generation of comedians now, and it's kind of sad. I saw yeah. like a, a weird like TikTok thing where it was like I don't know what it is. When you know when you're going through Facebook now, and these like little short videos show up, I don't know where they originate, but they yeah. they've the, the different social media companies are intertwining now. But it was one. It was Gilbert Gottfried, and he was I guess it was like somebody hired him for like a cameo or whatever. But it's like the guy brings his sister down to TV to to the TV hits play and it's Gilbert Godfrey on Christmas morning telling her like Merry Christmas and then telling her to open her present and her present is the biggest bitch in the world award and it's just Gilbert Godfrey on the TV <laughs> just screaming congratulations you're the biggest bitch in the whole world and I'm just like <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> like, it's, the, it's like the best thing ever and I'm just thinking, like we're not we don't have those people anymore like it's hard to imagine another comedian doing that like a, a modern day one <laughs> I heard him on some radio show that I don't listen to, so I don't even know which one it was. 
But they kept calling up like one eight hundred numbers, and then messing <laughs> messing with the women on the on the other side. And then Gilbert Godfrey came in and like in the middle of it, so he called, had him call, and before he could, they got put on hold. And he's like, "You think if I tell them I'm the voice of the bird in Aladdin, they'd push me right through?" <laughs> it's just like fucking dying listening to him. So that's my review of Dirty Work. Because <laughs> uh, Bob Saget directed that, didn't he? Yeah, Bob Saget directed yeah. it. Norm Macdonald starred in it. So, and I think he's the main writer as well. Or yeah, if he's not the main writer, he just ad libbed everything because it's exactly Norm Macdonald's humor. <laughs> and then Saget has a cameo in it as a. Where are they? It's not like an NA meeting or anything, is it? Just something where he stands up and goes, you ever suck dick for Coke? No, that's not in that movie. I don't think that's no? in... Uh, what movie is it? No, that's in uh, Half-Baked. Oh, okay. That Chappelle movie? Yeah, yeah, it's been a while since I watched either one of them, I guess. Yeah. I'm confused. Never mind. They're both they're both very funny, and uh, there yeah. is some connection between the movies. not the same producer or something, and that's why... They were made around the same time. So it's like literally Saget was in the process of directing this movie when they had him yeah. pop over and do the cameo in the other movie. Right. Well, I stand corrected. Yeah. I just couldn't remember which one it was. So this is the amount of useless knowledge I have in my head about Bob Saget's cameos and things. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, don't ask me to remember the names of any of the characters in the movies we discuss. We <laughs> <laughs> just call them by the actor names. It makes it easier. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, but the only other thing I watched this week, because uh, it was Friday the 13th, so I watched Friday the 13th, nice. uh, which we don't need, I don't think, to discuss whether like the original Friday the 13th <laughs> is a good movie or not. I think we can all establish that. But let me take this opportunity to bitch about how stupid Hollywood is again. Okay. Because I, I go in, right? And I'm like, like I just like through my Roku thing, I search Friday the 13th because I have no idea where it's streaming. And it's on like Tubi. I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Because you know what's going to happen with Tubi is when it ends, it's just going to recommend that I immediately start watching part two. And I'm going to go like a week without having to make a decision here. And I'm going to watch the first eight Friday 13th movies. And then at the end, I'm going to have to like figure out where nine is streaming. Cause, but at least I'll get all the Paramount ones in. Yeah. So guess what? On Tubi, uh, part one is on there and part five is on there and not the rest of them. Cause that's how fucking stupid Hollywood is. They don't have enough common sense to even take, take all the paramount ones and put them in the same spot anymore. I'm like, what are you doing? You morons. Like it's, it's, it blows my mind. It's like, they don't want us to enjoy their products. It's like, as if they actively want the fans of the products to be angry with them instead of just, giving us what we want like obviously Tubi wants these movies there's no way they went to you and said we want the rights to one and five but none of the other ones like that didn't happen oh uh, and it's like you know there's already still all that news about all their stupid fucking like lawsuits and shit and how they don't know if they can ever get another movie made because they can't stop suing each other and it's like figure your shit out and make the fucking movie that you know will turn a profit when you get it in theaters because we'll all fucking go and it's just pisses me off uh which by the way you could have went to uh the show youtube and watched uh 9 10 and freddy versus jason because they're all they're all three and that and the remake are all on uh on your movies anywhere yeah okay just uh, future future friday the 13th yeah and that's like yeah 
That's fine. That's not your fault. But I just, it just, it blows my mind. Like I get like, okay, one through eight were made by one studio and then the character was sold. And I understand why there might be different deals in place for the, the first eight and the rest of them. But I just can't comprehend not putting all eight in the same spot. Especially for a holiday that's coming up. Do you know they're going to be watched? Yeah. Like, because then, like, I searched it around, too, and, like, I couldn't even, I, I don't even think I could find two. And then I was just, like, frustrated and angry. And now I've acquired copies in a manner that will be described as legal and shut up about it. And now they're never going to watch their stupid added versions again because I don't have to because they've upset me. <laughs> if they had just put them on there, I would have watched them with their freaking ads and they would have made their money. They don't want to do it. So I'm sure you owned them before they all burned up? Yes, of course. I had the, I had the box set of like one through eight, and the, that like really cool looking box set. I did not ever get around upgrading them to Blu-ray. Yeah, which I don't even really think is necessary with those films. I think they benefit from the grain of being slightly lower quality. Well, one of the Blu-ray box sets had a 3D version of Part Three with the red That's, and blue glasses. That'd be fun. Yeah. I've never seen it in 3D. Last time I watched part three, I did. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I absolutely would. Yeah. And eventually I'll probably buy like a box set of them again. But. Well, the Screen Factory one has a shit ton. It has the entire collection plus Freddy vs. Jason and the remake. Yeah. But it doesn't have a 3D, a blue and red 3D version of part three. No. It just has that new like 3D TV version. Well, I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to buy a 3D TV. So, no. So just saying, if you're if you're specifically looking for a blue and red 3D version, that set doesn't have it, unfortunately. So I had to keep so I had to keep the last cassette I had that had the 3D version of it. So now I have two sets of Friday the 13th on my shelf. There's nothing wrong with that. No, but I do like to trade them in and get get money for the ones I don't need. But yeah. But now I need that one. So Yes, that's that's out of your control. Yeah. I'll probably yeah I'll probably end up getting around to rebuying those in hard copy again at some point. Maybe I'll just try to track down VHS copies of them all. It's even better. Your kid's like, what is this? He's, he did not understand the VHS collection I had at the, the old house. He's like, I don't understand. Like it's a movie, and he's like, no, it isn't. He has hard enough trouble understanding like Blu-rays and DVDs. <laughs> Oh, you should show them some PSP movies. <laughs> what? Tiny little discs? That's little things blow his mind. Well, the, and, like it, he, he lives in a world where like the other day we were going to my buddy's cottage. And he's like, it's kind of a long drive, right, Dad? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, he's five. And he just goes, I'm just going to download some stuff off Netflix. So I have it to watch with me. And I'm like, all right, go ahead. Like, you know, what am I supposed to say to that? You just know how to do that? <laughs> Yeah, life's not fair. It's a different world. Even if I would have went back to when I was 16 and I was like, see this one tower like VHS movie collection you have? You're just like, oh, look at this collection I got. Someday <laughs> you're going to be able to look at your phone. Oh, by the way, your phone is going gonna, is gonna to be big enough just to fit in your pocket and you can just carry it around with you. Uh, there'll be so many movies that you can watch at a second's notice that you won't even know what you want to watch. Yeah. So you will choose to watch nothing because that's how many choices you have. 
you'll be overwhelmed by the options available to you. And you're like, how could that, how's that even possible? My brain would have exploded. Oh, uh, it's, it's so funny. And I just, I try to imagine trying to like, imagine like stopping 12 year old me when I'm riding my bike to jumbo video and being like, you don't have to do this. You can just go home, push like three buttons and everything will be there. It's fine. And they'll make you rebuy movies over and over again because they'll mm-hmm. keep releasing them in slightly better quality. This one has one extra deleted scene that nobody's ever seen before. <laughs> Hang on to those copies of Star Wars, though, because those you won't be able to get for some reason. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. But I mean, I guess if he's adding more stuff to him, it makes him better, right? And I'm just like, well, I can see why you might right? think that. I can see why you might think that. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> did you watch anything else? No, no. Although I guess on the Star Wars front, I did watch some interviews with Mark Hamill from when they re-released Star Wars in 1997, and it was pretty fun to watch. Like how everyone was shocked at the idea that Star Wars was still a phenomenon at that point. <laughs> And then you're like, oh, wait, wait till you guys see what's coming. But at this point, I'm doing reviews of old talk show appearances. So I don't know if we need to get into that. Maybe we can hear about the movies that you watched. Um, so I watched quite a bit, actually. Um, because me and Amanda journeyed down to St. Louis. Where a friend of ours is putting on a 12-hour mystery movie marathon and uh because he's been doing a film program down there for 12 years so he wanted to have a big celebration so we went and uh we had no idea what we were in for turned out i've saw all but like two of the movies that we ended up watching um so we were running late and we did hit some traffic on the way there so we missed the first movie which was blood and black lace which i was a little disappointed with because i love to see that in a movie theater um but the second movie, as we sat down in the theater, pops up Hard Ticket to Hawaii, which everybody in the theater started applauding as soon as the opening theme song started. Um, so we covered that on the show a while back. But uh, I remember I did not enjoy it that much. I know Noah loved it, of course. Yeah. But when you're in a movie theater full of people who are completely 100% into this movie and are applauding when people get a frisbee full of razor blades to the neck or it's is a different environment. A, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different way to watch that kind of a movie, and it's probably a lot more enjoyable. Or is uh, skateboarding gets thrown up in the air and then shot with a rocket launcher. Yeah. Like everybody, you know, having a great time cheering when all that stuff was going on, laughing at the horrible snake uh, thing that they had going on. See, I I would find that to be a mind bending experience, because while most movies, you know, the the theaters kind of the traditional way to see them. A Sidaris movie, I believe, is best watched in the middle of the night on a tiny TV in your bedroom (laughs) by yourself. Does seem like that's what they were made for. I don't even believe that you should you should be able to watch it in a small TV in your bedroom by yourself. I think if you're going to have to watch that movie, you have to go over to your parents' house and sneak into their <laughs> living room while they're sleeping and watch it without getting caught. I think is the only way you can watch that movie. Uh, so you just randomly show up in Florida and break into your parents' house and try to watch this movie without them waking up. 
Uh, no, what are you doing? It's a Sidaris marathon. <laughs> Go to sleep. <laughs> Never you mind. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. Uh, so I did bump my star rating up because uh, I did enjoy it much more in this theater setting where everybody was having a great time watching it. And then even to the point that somebody that was sitting in the back row of the theater planned ahead because um, he was friends with the guy with my friend Andy who programmed this. And when we get to the slow-mo shot where he's throwing the Frisbee with the razor blades, he had brought his own Frisbee and threw it from the back row up into the projection <laughs> light so that it like landed in the middle of the theater and everybody applauded. Super great. Um, so they followed that up with Shogun Assassin from 1980, which I had never yeah. seen before. The lone wolf and cub action. Topo. Yeah. yeah I had never seen it before. So we, uh, sat there and watched it and holy shit, that's bloody as hell, which was oh, made yeah. it fantastic. Those, uh, oh, God damn it. There's a specific name for it. There are samurai movies, but it starts with a W and I can't remember what they're called. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but it was really good. We really liked it. I even, me and Amanda were talking on the way home. I asked her which, which one of the movies she saw was her favorite from the weekend, and she said Shogun Assassin. I no. uh, really enjoyed that one. Then uh, the next one was one of my favorite movies, which was the 1980s Blob. Nice. And uh, I just love that movie. I've seen it now at a drive-in. And in a movie theater. That makes me so happy. I've seen it in the basement of every home I've ever listened to. I, think, so. <laughs> I don't think I've ever watched it upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's great because, uh, like, I think we had it on VHS, but it was one of those that somebody we knew had showed, had like a free HBO weekend. So they recorded a couple movies for us. Yeah. So I watched that sucker like a billion times. And I'm sure probably didn't end up working by the time that tape was retired. Uh, so that was great. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, the next movie was a movie called Bloody Birthday. I like Bloody Birthday a lot. Yeah, with like the psycho, the uh, psycho kids killing people. Yeah, they're all born at like during a lunar eclipse or some shit. So they're... yeah, yeah, and I had never seen it before, and. Uh, all of a sudden, yeah, these kids just start like at first you're just kind of like, okay, what's going on? All oh, these kids are kind of dicks. And then the, that one girl, like her dad's the sheriff yep. and they try to stage it. So he'll fall down the steps on that skateboard and he misses. So the kids just like, eh, fuck it. And one of them steps out from behind the bushes, start beating him in the head with a baseball bat. And I'm just like, what the fuck? It's so good, man. Yeah. So then the rest of the movie, uh, it's just them plotting to kill people. What about that scene where they're spying on the girl while she's getting changed and she like hears them and she leans in. So they shoot a bow and arrow through the people at her. Oh, it's amazing. It's so good. I love I that like, movie. I feel like we need to do it on the show at some point. Absolutely. Uh, which I didn't realize till it was over that that was Julie Brown. Like from uh, Earth Girls Are Easy and all those yeah. comedies from the 90s. Um, then they follow that up with, uh, the classic popcorn. See, I don't think have... I've ever seen that one. Oh, really? Well, it was a nice, weird meta movie 
because we were sitting in a theater watching a movie where a bunch of film students put on a horror film festival where a bunch of people are sitting in a theater watching horror movies. And then somebody starts killing people off one by one. Oh, and, that's fun. Uh, yeah. So it was a great, just like, you know, fucking inception of watching horror movies and stuff. So, yeah. So these kids, they put on like, uh, they're all like William Castle esque movies. Like they're all made up for this movie specifically. Okay. But they have one like called Mosquito. And then at some point, like a giant mosquito swings down from the ceiling of the theater and goes over the audience and everybody goes crazy. And of course, in this movie, as it's coming back, it stabs someone in the stomach. You know, they die backstage. And then they did one called The Stench, where they feed in like certain smells like rotting corpse and stuff like into the theater during different parts of the movie. But you have your stench nose pin so you can block it out if you want to. And they did one where they do the uh, electric shocks underneath uh, all the seats and stuff. So it's a lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. I actually just watched it. I want to say within the last six months or so, but a lot of fun seeing it in the theater. Uh, and then we went to, cause this theater had like a little restaurant in it. So we went to order some food just to, uh, take back to our seats, but they took forever. So we missed like the first 15 minutes of, of the next movie, which was the black cat, but it's not like about the Edgar Allan Poe story. Yeah. It's the Fulci one or no, no, that's cat in the brain. Yeah. I think I've seen this before. The one you're talking about. Uh, it's really weird. It's something to do with a mirror and something. But uh, it uh, uh, Luigi Cozy from 1989. Um, oh, uh, yeah. My friend Andy was telling me about it because he basically this is an unofficial third film in the Mother of Tears trilogy, I guess, where okay. Argento hadn't filmed Mother of Tears yet. And this guy's like, ah, fuck it. I'm just going to make the third one. Apparently, it's it, they release as like Demon Six over in the Italian market. <clears throat> All right, you know, you know how that Fucking goes. Italian. Sounds that sounds about right. Yeah, it's uh, Demon Six, Zombie Thirteen. Uh, so we went. We got our food late, fifteen minutes late. So we went in. And we were sitting there eating, watching this movie. And I'm like, I have no fucking clue what is going on because we missed the first fifteen minutes. And it's just this weird, surreal, like whatever fucked up movie they had a bunch of vendors and stuff and we hadn't had a chance to uh really peruse anything too uh thoroughly yet so we're like fuck it let's just go out and we'll look at all the vendors and stuff so i stand there talking with andy and he's like you know what i didn't even think about it that if someone came in 15 minutes late they would have no fucking clue what's going on in this movie so it was a very strange one but it was the last two of the night and he wanted specifically strange ones just to kind of he knew people were going to be getting dopey at this point. So he wanted like weird, surreal movies just to kind of keep everybody's attention. Uh, and then the last movie of the night is another movie we've covered on the show. And that was the Japanese house. Ah, uh, house. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I turned to Amanda. I'm like, this is a really fucked up, weird Japanese just, movie. Yeah. Just to warn you. <laughs> There should be seatbelts in the seat for watching that movie. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, oh, okay, got it. And 
And then like, she was getting so tired by the end. She's just like, I have no clue what's going on. I'm like, I'm about ready to fall asleep. So all this is getting very surreal. I'm like, yeah, even if you were wide awake, it still would be. Yeah. It's got, this is nothing to do with it. With you being tired. If you're having trouble (laughs) following that movie. Yeah. So it was a very strange viewing experience. So, um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, just wish, uh, lived closer. Cause he does like, like a movie, like once a month at this theater. And it's usually something, you know, weird and grindhousey. I mean, he's called late night grindhouse. So he finds all kinds of weird stuff and, Puts it on, but with the big marathons, I guess it's it's worth a uh, two and a half hour drive down. But it says next year the anniversary is going to fall on the thirteenth, and it's going to be the thirteenth anniversary. So he's totally doing a thirteen hour oh, yeah. marathon. So it'll be a lot of fun. Um, yeah. But uh, we picked up some stuff. I picked up the collector's edition of New York Ninja. Either one of you heard about this movie? No, what I want to is. Is that the one that was kind of like the E.T. video game or something like that, that they made it and it kind of vanished and somebody found it years and years later? Sort of, yeah. Yeah. So Vinegar Syndrome puts out all these weird forgotten stuff. Like that movie, The Uninvited, we did with the cat on the boat. They put out like a 4K restoration of that movie. Logically, yeah. That's the kind of stuff that they put out. And I buy a lot of their stuff. So apparently they were buying like a lot of stuff from like a film house, like a film developing company that like closed down or something. And in it, they found this movie called New York Ninja that somebody had shot, but then never like picked up and like they never did anything with it. And so... It was just sort of forgotten about. And the sucky thing is there was only the film part of it. There's no audio that goes along with it. So they had to sort of scour through this movie to try to figure out what the story was. And then try just to read lips to kind of see if they could figure out what the dialogue was. And once they feel like they assembled like a movie out of all of it, they went back and hired a bunch of actors and actresses from about the time it was shot, who probably would have been in similar movies to vo- dub it over. So, like, uh, the main guy who plays... <laughs> Fucking weird thing to do. <laughs> no, but just, just listen. So, for the main guy who's the New York Ninja, they got, like, Don the Dragon Wilson from, like, those direct-to-video action movies from the 90s. To come yeah. in and voice him, like Linnea Quigley does a voiceover for one of the characters, and they just kind of dub the whole thing over, and then they put it out as New York Ninja. And I've been really wanting to see it, but just never pulled the trigger on picking it up. And then while I'm there, and I'm looking at like the giant special edition version that's got like you know stickers and some pamphlet, you know, some like book inside writing about the history of it and like two cuts of the movie and like all this extra footage and stuff. And I'm just like, I should just buy it. <laughs> so I totally picked it up and I cannot wait to watch it. I haven't watched it yet, but it's just such a weird and sort just like this amazing, like weird 
sometimes we complain that movies feel like they're just kind of slapped together. And it's like, no, this one actually was because they didn't know what to fucking do with it. So should be a fun experience. But yeah, from all, from the previews I've seen, it's just some guy running around New York in like a white ninja outfit, stopping crime. So why not? We may have to do it on the show at some point. Yeah. It seems like something you're going to try to make me watch. (laughs) Yeah, we'll make you watch it. I know Noah will probably enjoy it. Always. Yeah, he seems really excited. See? Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. All right, Doug. Well, why don't you tell us what we're doing next week? It's <sighs> a good question, isn't it? <laughs> God damn it, Doug. I got distracted trying to find something to team up with Bloody Birthdays. So I forgot to pick movies. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right, well, let's go a little bit newer next week. We'll do the vampire movie 30 Days of Night. We're teaming up with that with the vampire movie Frostbite, which is from, I want to say, like Finland or some shit. And we're going to have trouble finding it. It's going to make all of our weeks worse. Yeah, I can, <laughs> I can say I've never seen Frostbite. Yeah, I've never heard of it. I, neither have I. I just, uh, it was one of those, it was on one of those lists of like, if you like this movie, you should watch this lesser known version. And it was that movie and, uh, made me want to watch it. So I'm putting it on the list that you guys have to as well, just in case it sucks. <laughs> in case it sucks. You're like, if I got to watch it, so do you. So we can commiserate in our sadness together. And I'm trying to remember what year it's from so that I know how to tell you guys, but I don't remember the name of it. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, Did you say it's, it's real like name Swedish? Is, yeah. So it's like Frostbite or some pronunciation? We are the vampires. Well, already, uh, Just Play does not have it on their app unless it's Frostbiter. Wrath of the Windigo from 1995, which sounds amazing. All right, I'm calling an audible just in case we can't find this movie. Instead, mm-hmm. it's a Nazi Zombie Week next week, and I'm going to track down Frostbite before I before we select it. <laughs> okay. So next week, um, yeah, Nazi zombies, Nazi zombies who are soaking wet because you got to get as specific as possible with our themes. So Zombie Lake and Oasis of the Zombies, good. Zombie. Both of which are on soaking the Kino wet. Cult. Uh, the Kino cult streaming service that everybody should have. So yeah, that I have, and I still have, I keep forgetting. I have it. And I don't watch stuff on it. Yeah. So. Uh, I remember Oasis of the zombies being kind of boring. So that kind of bums me out. Oh, well, that's reassuring. I don't, I think I've seen both of these, but it was like yeah. 10 years ago and I don't remember them. So yeah. maybe once I start watching them, I'll have either good or, mem- or bad memories of them. I don't know. We'll find out together. That's the fun part of this podcast, right? Yeah. <laughs> I finally figured out something to team up with Jacob's Ladder at some point. Right. I saw that was on the list. Yeah. So I was trying to think of what to put there in that other movie. I was like, oh, this would be a good one to pop to put together. So because didn't you say you've never seen Jacob's Ladder before? I've seen it. So we were talking about the original and not the remake. Yeah, no, I don't acknowledge the remake exists. I don't even know what it is. Um, Uh, And I have seen the the other film we're going to be teaming it up with one day is The Cell, which I remember being pretty good, except it's Vince Vaughn trying to be a serious actor. Yeah, but he's not the main focus, so maybe that's all right. 
Isn't it? It's Vincent D'Onofrio's in that too, right? Yes, yep. he is. Yeah. That's who plays the creepy weirdo. Hmm. Another one who's good at playing the weird pervert. Yeah. The, the James Spader of his era. It's going to say, and it's Jennifer Lopez, right? Yeah, it's J-Lo. Yep. But this is back when people were like, oh my God, she's a real good actress. So maybe it will... Yeah, they were wrong, but over. still... Well, I haven't seen it in a while. She went did a bunch of rom-coms after this, so maybe that didn't help her case anyhow. Uh, well, it helped my case because I didn't want to watch her in movies. <laughs> I didn't want to see those movies, so... That's convenient. I forgot I put Suicide Kings on here to figure out something else to team it up with. We also got to go to that email and copy some of the movies from Tracy's <laughs> list onto our list. We keep you saying we're going to so. do that. Someday. Poor Tracy's struggling so hard. She's like, I'm over here in London. And you bitches are not doing any of my movies. Oh, Sorry. We did. I bought a vampire motorcycle. That is the greatest <laughs> is of favorite of Britain we've ever done. <laughs> no, it's just a British horror movie. Uh, something that we should acknowledge. Uh, unfortunately, Fred Ward passed away this week. Yeah. Famous for uh, Tremors and uh, Rima Williams, The Adventure Begins, which we did on this show. Yeah. It it's made me super happy that like when he passed away that my Facebook feed loaded up with headlines that said like he was famously played Remo Williams rather than ones that <laughs> talked about all his much more like well his much better known movies where he played smaller roles but everyone's Joe like no, no he's from I, okay, he's like not it, I Joe Dirt guy blow your mind here but I've never seen Joe Dirt start to finish so <laughs> you're probably better off uh, he plays Joe Dirt's dad in it but that. more importantly, he's from Tremors and Remo yeah. Williams. So it just bums me out because I know Kevin Bacon, you know, for a while was working on trying to get a, Kev- a Tremors show back up and those plans yeah. kind of got shit on. But I was hoping maybe we'd get another movie with him and Red Ward together re- reprising their yeah. characters. But. It's just it, this is a side effect of us being old. Is that like a lot of these people are passing away, and I think he was like seventy nine or something. And you're like, okay, like like that's still pretty young, but it's yeah, you know, it happens at that age, kind of thing. Trust me, both it's of my hard. grand both of my grandparents died at my grand grandfathers died at seventy four. <laughs> so I know I have a yeah. uh, probably a ticking clock for when around when my time's coming. So. Uh, you got to remember, too, though, that our grandparents' generation lived a bit of a harder life than us. Oh, for sure. Like, like my grandfather died at 84, but my grandfather started working in a factory at age nine. So, like, it's <laughs> it is a bit of a different thing. I had to listen to my step-grandpa once complain about, you know, kids nowadays don't want to work. And I'm just like, oh, God. And he's like, when I was 13, I was working in a coal mine. I'm just like, yeah, in in my head, I'm just like, yeah, but I mean, do you want your grandkids to go work at a coal mine at 13? Mm -hmm. Like, shouldn't you be okay with them not doing that because the world's better now? And the answer to that question is yes, because they're bitter old people. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, you know, it is what it is. 
the old people who want other kids to like it's like when you see those memes where you're like this generation when they were 18 stormed the beaches of normandy this generation is like complaining about microaggressions and you're like yeah it's a good thing that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people aren't dying for, you know, in that war right now. I'm glad there's not a world <laughs> war going on. I don't see that as a negative thing. <laughs> uh, Putin's invading Ukraine. so I mean, Putin is doing on. his best, doing his best to start another world war. So those people will be happy. So we were driving home from this uh, 12 hour thing. Yeah. And Amanda brought up the fact that she's never seen young guns before. Okay. So I think that's gonna be corrected within the next week. All right. Just like how how we've been together coming up on seventeen years at the end of the month. And I've never made you watch Young Guns. Number one, that's a failing on me. Number two, how dare you let it go this long before you bring it up? Yeah, she, it's really on both of you at this point. Yeah, it's a failing in our marriage. We're gonna try to fix it. <laughs> you guys need like counseling or anything? Yeah, I'm gonna call Noah while it's happening though, and make him rewatch it. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> that's not very nice. Then Noah's like, "Oh, thank God, it's over." And I'm like, "Guess what? Time for Young Guns too." Well, make, make sure you call him during the the final shootout when they're all trapped in the house and point out the similarities between that and Near Dark, so we can explain to him that that really is a western. <laughs> It's funny. And then, uh, oh, it seems like I had heard Emilio for some reason has been talking about doing a Young Guns 3. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense, Emilio. Everybody's dead in the movies. Emilio Estevez. Mighty Doug guy. I swear to God. <laughs> if you didn't do I, Mighty Doug, if you didn't, Mighty Ducks, if you're going to do Young Guns 3, you're going to have to go on the assumption that. Billy the Kid did live until the 50s and then you're going to have to make up like a story for him in like his older age speaking yeah. of that supposedly Chris Kattan and Will Ferrell are in talks to do a sequel to Night of the Roxbury's probably not that's, that's what I saw something about there is a script floating around that was fine for like a four minute skit on SNL I don't know why that had to be a movie I, I I don't know. I really liked the movie. I thought the movie was funny. I've seen it once. I don't remember laughing during it, so I don't know. But I find Chris Kattan very funny, and some people do not. No, and it sucks because because I'm a big fan of like SNL, just like the idea of the show and growing up watching it, and you know being somewhat into like creative stuff so learning about how all the stuff works backstage and all that stuff and so when you go into the history of that show and you just hear how much of a dick chris Kattan is backstage it just makes me not like anything that he does then you guys have stronger opinions about chris Kattan than i would have expected <laughs> well it's because like i used to hear interviews with jim brewer who jim brewer's turned out not to be a good guy either but he would talk that Chris Kattan would like steal ideas from people. And it got to the point. Well, it got to the point that like uh, Jim Brewer would purposefully write like ideas. He was never going to use on the dry erase board in his office at SNL. Just to see if Chris Kattan would come up with, you know, basically take the idea and change it for one of his characters. And it pretty much happened like every time he did it. 
Just like, what a dick. Good times. Uh, on a related note, I found that Frostbite movie I want to watch, and I also found a website that claims it's not available for streaming or rent or purchase anywhere, so. Okay. Well, that's good. I will, I'll find a way to watch it before we actually select it. Yeah. Do your magic. You didn't watch that Mike Myers show, Noah? Did Netflix? Huh? So you didn't watch that new Mike Myers show that was on Netflix? There's, there's a Mike Myers show on Netflix. Yeah. yeah Apparently it's like based on some like 10 second joke from So I Married an Axe Murderer about some of the five people who run the world or something. I don't know. The Rothschilds? The Gaities? <laughs> It's called the Pentaverit or some yeah. shit. Yeah. Okay. Well, he made that into a show where he plays five different characters. And it came out this week and not a single person I know watched it. It's I gotten just, terrible reviews. There is, there is some weird magical juice with uh, Mike Myers that mm-hmm. it is hit or miss. Like he fucking either puts out a movie that's just goddamn piss your pants funny or you're like what in the silly fuck is this guy doing <laughs> yeah weirdly because of it rerunning on cable i think i enjoyed so i married an axe murderer a lot although i haven't watched it in like 20 years yeah it's funny but then like love guru came out and everybody was just like no it's weird too because it's like he does very similar things in all these movies and then sometimes everyone hates it and sometimes everyone loves it. Well, it's just like Austin Powers was fucking lightning in a bottle. I've rewatched that movie a bunch of times and it's still just as goddamn funny. Yeah. It's it's a weird thing, too, though, because it's like when you say it, you're like, it doesn't seem like something I would enjoy at all. <laughs> but when you watch it, it just works. Yeah, I never watched it when it initially came out because I'm just like, oh, that looks stupid. And then my friend's like, no, you need to watch it. It's actually really funny. And then we watched it. And of course, I loved it after that. I'm not dead. I'm just very badly burned. <laughs> I'm going to try to stand up on my leg now. Oh, it's broken. <laughs> you shot me. You shot me right in my arm. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, back when Will Ferrell was, <laughs> was a national treasure, too. That was pre him being like really famous. Yeah, he was still maybe super early in his SNL run at that point. Ah, good times. Please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say good night. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.